The primary purpose of the matter over mind experience is to educate. It doesn't constitute advice or services. Before making any changes, please consult a medical or dietary professional. Nutrition, gut health, mental health, hormones, and so much more. These all play roles in sustainable weight management. So, I scour the globe for top experts in fitness, health, and weight loss to bring to you this podcast. So, take a seat and enjoy the ride. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Matter Over Mind Experience. I'm your host, Master Trainer and Weight Management Expert, Narado Zico Powell. And today, you know, I always have fantastic guests for you, right? And I have another fantastic guest, Justine Carino, anxiety treatment expert and host of Thoughts from the Couch podcast. Whenever I hear that that like name, I already want to like lay down and just have her psychoanalyze me. So, which I promise we're not going to do today, but we're going to have some wonderful stuff to talk about. And you know, we have a hack. So the hack of this episode is going to be six signs that your perfectionism is getting in your way. That may, that may sound like, hmm, you know, I've, a lot of people don't think about that, but being a perfectionist can really be, can kind of work against you. And if you struggle with it, or or even if you don't think you're struggling with it, just stay around and listen, because she's going to break down some really good information. And with that being said, enough of me talking. Let's welcome my guest to the show. Hey, Justine, how you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. I'm excited myself. And with that being said, tell my audience about yourself. Sure. So I am a licensed mental health counselor and anxiety treatment specialist with a private practice in White Plains, New York. And I help individuals, couples, and families decrease symptoms of depression and anxiety, recover from anxiety disorders. I help people improve their relationships and help them learn how to set better boundaries in their lives and in their relationships as well. That is powerful. You know what? I I think. Recently, I've been having more guests on the show who talk about mindset and relationships. I think it's around the time for it. I mean, at the time that we're we're recording this, we're in uh, February. So, you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, but it's going to be released afterwards. So I'm sorry about bad timing, everybody. But but before we let's go a bit further. So let's talk about your podcast, because I really like the name, right? Thoughts from the Couch. So what kind of made you come up with that name? And let's know more about the podcast and what you really talk about. Sure. So, you know, I had always wanted a podcast because I personally learned so much from listening to podcasts. I've always had a commute. um, So on the commute, I've always listened to a podcast and learned something and really improved my life overall. I love podcasts. So I was like, you know what? I'm a psychotherapist. I help people on a daily basis. How can I expand this knowledge to people outside my office doors, right? How can I reach more people? And, you know, I have a blog, but I hate writing and I rather speak and talk to people. So I said, you know what, maybe a podcast is a good idea to get some of this information out there that I find to be helpful in my one-to-one sessions. 
Um, and so the pandemic hit March 2020. I said, this is the perfect time. People are at home. They have time to kind of sit and listen. People were, you know, really craving therapy at the moment. So I launched it. I didn't really have a game plan. You know, I had 20 episodes with some great people that I knew um, in the wellness field and started interviewing them on their specialties. But as time has unfolded, I really directed the conversations in the podcast around anxiety management, how to help people overcome people-pleasing traits, perfectionistic traits, you know, kind of look at the things that leave people stressed and anxious, burnt out and resentful, and give them tips on how to kind of recover from these tendencies. So how did I get the name? Well, when you come to therapy, you're sitting on a couch, right? And so a lot of my episodes are inspired from conversations that I have in my therapy sessions. I love it. You know, everybody know I was not one of those wonderful guests. So thank you very much for that, Christine. I said, Christine, I meant Justine. See, I messed up your name. That's why I'm not one of the guests. I just completely butchered her name. Lie. This is absolutely terrible. Well, but- you are forgiven, right? We're talking about perfectionism. You are not perfect and it is okay. We all make mistakes and you're going to have to come on the podcast then. Well, speak for yourself. I consider myself perfect, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's talk about people pleasing, seriously. Like, so the question that I didn't write this down, but now it kind of just came to my head. What, how do you recognize that you are a people pleaser? It's a great question. So people pleasers don't really recognize that they are one until other things are happening in their life that help them recognize, oh, wait a minute, maybe it's because I'm just trying so hard to please others, right? So many of the people that I work with are coming to me because something's not going well in their life, right? Maybe a relationship's not going well, maybe there's conflict with family members, maybe there's conflict with work. And as I start to get to know them and unpack their patterns, I often find that they're unhappy with these things because they've been sacrificing some part of themselves to have a certain outcome, either an outcome in their career, an outcome of, in a relationship or a friendship, right? So people aren't really coming to me like, hey, can you help me? I'm a people pleaser. They're coming to me talking about these other stressors or other conflicts. And I often find a thread of people pleasing or perfectionism that's kind of feeding the current conflict or issue in their life. So a people pleaser really is someone that wants to make other people happy, at the expense of themselves, right? And what's interesting, you know, first of all, our brains are all wired to please other people. If we go back in time as being cave people, we survived better if we were accepted into groups or if we were accepted by other cave people, we had better chances of survival. So our brains are actually wired to want to have relationships and to connect. And in order to connect, sometimes we go out of our way to please other people. So there's nothing wrong with trying to please other people. And sometimes it feels really good to please other people that we love and care about. It just becomes a problem when we start to sacrifice ourselves and our needs for these other people. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And I guess I'm the uh, opposite of that because I do, I do not try to please other people. Zico <laughs> comes first and that's just how it's going to go. No, no, seriously. I know I did struggle with people pleasing for a long time. In fact, my first, um, I would say my first career was because of people pleasing because I was expected to, you know, to 
be at a certain level or be uh so I, I I chose certain I chose my career because I felt like it would make my family proud until re- later on I had to realize okay I have to do for me and I'm just way happier and still successful if not more doing what I'm doing now so thank you so much I think you're definitely right and I've struggled with that myself so hey that's true yeah. and that leads me into my next question then because like you said people may not recognize they're a people pleaser right but yeah. how does how does that really impact our lives So obviously there's a benefit to people pleasing, right? We have good friendships. People like us. People are attracted to us. People want to hang out with us. We usually advance in our careers, you know, whether you work for someone else or you're an entrepreneur, people pleasers tend to be very successful. We know how to work our way up a ladder, right? We know how to get to the top. But the negative is it makes you a lot more vulnerable to stress and anxiety, Because people pleasers really take on a little bit too much in their lives and they start to lose their authentic selves, their sense of identity. They lose sight of what's good for themselves or what they actually want. And it leads to this resentment, as you were saying with your family. You know, I see that a lot. I work with a lot of college students and it's February. A lot of people are going to graduate in May. And I have a lot of college students saying to me right now, oh, my God, I'm about to graduate. I don't even like what I majored in. I don't even know if I want a career with my family spent thousands of dollars on. I did all of this to please them on I'm unhappy, which is a problem. So the negative impact is we start to feel overcommitted and exhausted. We have a deep need to be loved and accepted and probably act in ways to reassure that. So we over apologize. Sometimes in relationships of people, it becomes a little too clingy. Um, people pleasers have a hard time separating in a fight and giving someone space. Um, we have a hard time setting boundaries, have a hard time saying no. We tend to avoid conflict and have more passive ways of communicating. And then there's that resentment we feel because we're doing things for other people and not feeling like we're getting much in return or we've lost ourselves in order to maintain this. So then we blow up, right? And then, you know, they're like, oh, where did this come from? Because this entire time you've been pleasing them. So they, so sometimes the receiver is not even thinking about, doesn't even know that you're upset or you're frustrated until one day they say like the straw that, I'd say the straw that, um, the straw on the camel's back is out. The straw like, that broke the camel's back. Yeah. There we go. And then you, know, you explode, you know, and you're like, and you're like, oh my, what happened? So yeah, I definitely see that and see how that can, it can impact us. And with that being said, then, how do, cause like I said, people don't come to you and say they're a people pleaser, right? But once you've uncovered it, how do you address it in your business or in your practice? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's a few things I do and I'll get into some of it here. First and foremost, I like people to identify their value set. What do you value right now in your life? What you valued four years ago might be different than what you value now. What you valued as an adolescent is going to be different as what you value as an adult. If you become a parent, you will value different things when you weren't a parent. If you got married, you're going to value different things before you were married, right? So our life circumstances tends to change our set of values. And we need to focus on what we value to help us guide our decisions and prioritize our values, right? Instead of putting our values, we people pleasers sometimes lose what they value, put their needs aside to make other people feel good. When you start to recognize what you value, it helps you set boundaries better. So the second part is boundary setting, right? People pleasers need a lot of support with 
when do I say no? How do I say no? Can I say no and still maintain a relationship? I also help them identify all the thoughts and beliefs that are subconscious that convince them that they need to please everyone. And we unpack those beliefs. I'll give you an example. Um, People pleasing is often related to this fear of abandonment. Um, You know, if I say no or put my needs first, I will be abandoned by other people that I love. And that's not even true most of the time. That's usually a fear that we have. And this fear can come from our life experiences, maybe things that happened to us in our lives. Um, Maybe we were abandoned by family members. Maybe we were abandoned by early childhood friends or in our teen years, we were abandoned by friendships. We were left behind in some way. So we're constantly, well, subconsciously worrying that if I don't please other people, I'm going to be alone uh, or I'm going to be rejected. And so that's the fear that drives the behaviors and the thoughts around people pleasing. Um, Family has a lot to do with it. You know, our families that raise us, they work as a system and we all function in this system and everyone kind of has a separate role in the family system. Um, And sometimes these roles emerge over time without us ever really noticing our role in the family. Um, But for example, people pleasing can be a survival skill to keep like the homeostasis of the family at bay. Maybe um, parents were always fighting with each other, but if you were the people pleaser, the good boy or the good girl, and you did what they wanted, you see, you saw your parents have joy, right? Maybe that was the only time you saw them smile. Maybe you see mom and dad fighting all the time or they're stressed out with work. They hate their jobs. They hate their lives. But when you're the good boy or girl getting straight A's or getting the part-time job on the weekend or helping around the house or putting your needs aside to make them happy, you start to feel good and you feel love from your parents because you see them happy from how you're pleasing them. So sometimes it's a reaction to keep peace in the home. Another example is maybe you have a sibling who's like the rebel child, right? And you see how your family members are reacting to that rebel child. They're always in trouble. They're always being punished. It's causing so much family stress. Let me be perfectionistic. Let me please everybody so I make them happy in that way. And it's also a distraction, right? If you're the people pleaser, you can you can also tend to mediate issues in the family. You know, you have an important role that benefited people. But now as a grown adult, you don't need that role anymore because you're not living in your parents' house trying to navigate all the dynamics with your parents and your siblings or whoever raised you. You're out in the world on your own, and it's okay to shed some of those thoughts and beliefs that once kept you safe. So then what would you would say you encounter more as a struggle, especially with people who are discovering that they are people pleasers? What's their biggest struggle? Yeah. What do you encounter more? Like most people, most clients that come to you in the beginning and then you uncover that they're a people pleaser is what do you see more? Is it like a family issue? Is it more of, you know, situations that have happened in the past? What do you tend to see more? Got it. I tend to see a little combo of everything, but I'll give you some examples. People come and they're like, I'm very anxious. I'm very burnt out. I I don't feel like I have control over my life right now. Um, So maybe it could be they're very anxious and burnt out about their career, or they're a college student, very anxious and burnt out, whatever it is. 
Um, and we discover that it's because they're highly perfectionistic. They're working really hard to please everyone around them. And then we unpack that more and we say, okay, where and when did this start? And usually we can trace it back to some dynamics growing up. I always say that people pleasers were once parent pleasers. And that's not to say their parents are bad people. It's not to say that their parents set out to ruin their lives this way. It's just a result of what could have been going on at that time in their parents' lives and in the family. So I would say like 75% of the time, the people pleasing starts with family dynamics that they never realized. And 25% of the time is like things they developed to adapt to their social world, whether it's their friendships or relationships as young adults. That makes sense. Because when I think about my experiences, I would say that uh, whenever I would, I would, I guess, uh, fall back into people pleasing, most of it had to do with my family. If you're not within my, if you're not, a, especially if you're not a close family member, half the time, I don't care what you do or what you say. But with family, it would hit me different. And that's something that even up to today, I work on. So I think that's really good to share and something that most people don't pay attention to. I was born and raised in Jamaica. Most of my listeners, viewers, they all know that. And we have a very strong culture. And we're also, and we're very, we, it's like, most people, most people that move to America from, let's say, the Caribbean, right? You're either a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, an engineer, or you're a failure. Well, I'm none of those. <laughs> so I guess I'm just a failure. Like it is what it is. But that's how strong our culture is, you know, by we put we put a lot of emphasis on on learning and school, which is I'm not saying it's not important. I mean, I have God knows how many certifications and degrees, but I'm not saying that's not important. But if you're doing it because you just want to look smart in front of your family, are you are you really accomplishing anything other than making them feel proud of you? Right. And my my cousin who first doctor in the family, lover to death, when I've never said to her, I'm proud of you. Never use those words. And I do that for a reason, because I know what she deals with, with people pleasing, and I don't want her to do anything for me. I want her mm. to do it for herself. And when she graduated from med school, I called her and I was joking with her. I said, well, I guess I got to call you Dr. Danny from now on. And then she said to me, well, I just hope I made the family proud. And I said to her, I don't care what the family thinks. Like, wh why should you care what the family thinks? Most of us in the family could not do what you do. So why should it matter what they actually think? Stop and think about that for a second. And later on, to your point, you're talking about a college student, she came back to me and she said, you know what? I started to realize that a lot of the stuff that I've been doing, trying to get really good grades in school, is really because I've been trying to please other people and make them happy instead of doing what I want. The exact example that you were talking about. And it's a combination of the two. It's the college part. And then there's the family part. And then now that's in your 20s, it's something that you have to, you have to unravel right? Yes. Yeah. So, yes. Sounds you like know, you have a point. Go ahead. It's innate. You know, all children want to be accepted and loved by their parents, right? We're born that way. Like, no matter how horrible a parent may be, let's even say a parent is so abusive physically and emotionally to a child, that child still yearns for love and attention from that parent. And it's just the way we're wired. Again, back to cave people, we were designed to attach to our parents as small children because they provide us food, shelter, warmth, 
and supposed to do love too, right? Um, and that's not always the case. So where it's just this innate, no matter how old you are, you still want to impress your parents. You still want your parents' approval. And so that's why it's very hard and very stressful for people to differentiate, to begin to say, wait, I'm an adult and I get to make all of my own decisions about my life now, but I know some of these decisions might disappoint my parents or my grandparents or my siblings or my cousins. And that presents a big issue for people. That is definitely right. So listen to that, people. People pleasing. Not saying that you should say to hell with everybody and go on in life. That's just how I do. So, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I, would, <laughs> I would, no seriously. But no, we're not saying that you should just do that. But you should, if you're a people pleaser, really pay, listen because we have more stuff to talk about as we finish up the interview. But before I do that, you know your boy because how nice that I am. Maybe I'm a people pleaser. I have a gift for you, right? So we're gonna talk about heal. See, the amino heal is 100% science-backed, essential amino acid formulation designed to reduce recovery times and improve physical strength by accelerating muscle repair while helping you to maintain a a healthy inflammatory response. The EA profile of heal was originally developed to help NASA astronauts maintain muscle mass in space and then refine to help everyday people like me, right? With who is experiencing prolonged periods of inactivity. And it's not always just um inactivity, but it helps with healing overall because it helps with a healthy inflammatory response, which we create inflammation when we train. So just think about that for a second. I drink heal every day. Right now, what I I drink it as a as an intro workout. So I have my pre-workout. I train when I get about 45 minutes in. I drink heal because it feeds me essential aminos. It feeds me creatine and, um, and it's also whey protein concentrate at that time, which helps me to respond better and push through my workouts, which has helped me tremendously, especially now that I'm on this bulking phase. I've been lean bulking for the last like six to eight months, which has been working out awesome for me. So, um, a recent clinical, um, trial of heal, it compared one and two scoop amounts with high quality whey protein. And the net balance, uh, whole protein synthesis and breakdown were measured. The response to heal was found to be three times larger than whey protein on a gram to gram basis. Check that out. Three times larger because again, it's not just the whey protein, but it's the right blend of EAAs. It's also the right amount of creatine, which together gives you a healthier, a better response, right? So think about that. And with that being said, the website is going to be aminoco.com slash Zico Health. My code, which is built into the website, gives you a 30% discount. But of course, they'll be in the show notes or not in the show notes, the description of the podcast. So you click on it, check out Heal, check out Perform. Everybody knows I love these products. Get your discount and let's crush it. And with that being said, time flies when you're having fun, right? Because we're on to the hack of the episode. I'm kind of sad because I love talking to Justine. She's fantastic. (laughs) But here goes the hack of the episode. What are the six signs of perfectionism? And I'm sorry, I said that wrong. What are the six signs that perfectionism is in the way of your happiness? All right, let's get to it. So the first sign that I've come across in my training, but also working with my clients, is that you find yourself needing to know that you will be good at something before you even try it out. So somewhere deep down, you are aware that you've always felt like you've needed validation from other people. And this has caused you to avoid trying new things because you think you'll fail at it. 
and then you won't get the approval or praise from others from doing it. You maybe picture people laughing at you, judging you, gossiping about you for it, and you perceive such risk in failing at this new thing. Um, so you decide, I'm not gonna try it at all, right? And that actually gets in the way of your happiness because you're staying in your comfort zone, you're staying to routine, the only growth we have in life is outside of our comfort zone. And when we step out of the comfort zone and grow and try new things, we learn new things about ourselves. And we also open new doors of opportunity for ourselves, right? So for example, let's say someone dreams of becoming a nurse, but they've already decided that they'll be terrible at it. They don't take that opportunity to enroll in a nursing school program and they stick to this job that they hate, right? So that gets in the way of someone having a happy life and actually following a dream or trying something out that scares them. And this happens a lot for people. People have expectations that if they try something new, they're going to be good at it, which, you know, horrible way to think about life, right? Um, I, there's something I say called terrible first times. I have a, a five-year-old son and I have a two-year-old daughter. So my five-year-old son, he's in kindergarten and he often, you know, gets upset if he doesn't do something right. And I'm trying to teach him like, TFT, terrible first time. Expect that your first time doing anything will probably go badly, and that's okay. That's how we learn and grow. Terrible first time. I like that. I've never heard that before, but I, I like that. Terrible yes. first time. TFT. Um, the second sign that perfectionism is getting in the way of your happiness is that you ruminate and obsess over criticism that you receive. It's really hard for people pleasers, perfectionists, overachievers to have constructive criticism. So, you know, you're really good at getting praise and compliments because you really know how to please others. You're good at that. You're well-liked, you have solid friendships, you're reliable, you're consistent. But when you receive any type of negative feedback, which could be constructive, whether it's from a colleague, um, a mentor, if you're in school, an advisor, a teacher, you don't know what to do with yourself. You feel anxious. You feel stick, sick to your stomach. You can't stop thinking about what they said. You want to fix this flaw immediately. This is in the way of you finding happiness, right? We have to learn how to take feedback. Sometimes criticism is a gift. If it's given to us in the right way from someone you trust, it helps you grow. It helps you adapt. It helps you change. Nobody's perfect. We need others' input at times. Maybe people have a point that we need to consider, and it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us. It doesn't mean that we're not good enough. It just means that we have an area of our life that we can improve, right? And life is about improvement. So that's number two. Um, the third is that you procrastinate on getting things done. And a lot of people are like, huh? Like, if you're a people pleaser perfectionist, I don't picture procrastination in here. Not so true. Procrastination is like the best friend of perfectionism because it's a nice little strategy that we subconsciously use to avoid the feeling of shame, right? So sometimes we think that something we're trying to produce maybe won't be good enough. So we put off doing it so we can avoid feeling badly about ourselves. Maybe we're avoiding some kind of negative emotion that we think will come once we do the thing we need to do. So we kind of just push it away. Like I'll do this at the last minute. And then that's a good excuse, right? If you wait till the last minute 
work on it and it turns out badly, then you have the excuse, oh, of course it didn't come out good. I waited till the last minute to do it. So it's like this interesting shield um, to protect us from shame or embarrassment. Um, and that creates so much stress. You know, at the 11th hour, you're trying to get things done and then you go into a whole other spiral. And we like to say, like, I'm so stressed. I had no time to do things. You know, perfectionism is just an illusion that gives us a false sense of control. We can't control what other people think of us, our work. So just go for it. Get it done. Done is better than perfect. Number four, you have difficulty making decisions. So a lot of perfectionists and people pleasers get very worried about making the wrong decisions. So sometimes they don't make a decision at all. And they often live in this contemplative state that stalls their progression in life, whether they're, they're looking for the perfect partner so they can never quote unquote settle and commit to someone, right? Cause that other person's not perfect enough. Maybe um, they're trying to pursue a dream career and they're like, oh, I can't decide which course to enroll and I just won't do it at all, right? So you find yourself tossing and turning, you're losing sleep over decisions, you're stuck with wanting to please other people, so you're not really making a decision based on your needs. You're based, making a decision based off what you think other people will want to, you to make for them. So one thing I like to say is you can't trust everything that you think. We often spend a lot of time and energy picturing the worst possible scenarios of a decision, which these worst possible scenarios never really come to fruition. So sometimes we make the choice far more serious in our own minds than it actually needs to be. Okay, number five, you sacrifice your sleep and mental health to produce certain outcomes. So this person is finding that their baseline in life is stress and anxiety. They don't know how to exist without feeling frazzled or overwhelmed. And they've become kind of desensitized to this feeling that they don't even realize it's a problem anymore. They're willing to lose sleep, get sick feel anxious, feel depressed in order to obtain and maintain the perfect grades, job, financial status, even appearance. And they're so preoccupied with achieving some kind of outcome that they sacrifice their basic physical and mental needs. And my last one, number six, is you avoid expressing your true feelings in conflicts. Maybe you find yourself hiding the truth of how you feel in order to make other people more comfortable or to avoid having a negative reaction from them. So you're typically passive when you're angry or upset by someone. You hold your feelings inside. You lie about how you feel or change the subject as quickly as possible. And if you're not able to be your true self and express your true feelings, how genuine are your relationships in life? How good are those friendships? How good is that relationship with your partner? You have to be able to have the safe space to fully express your authentic self to really feel happiness. And those are my six tips. Six golden tips, everybody. Didn't I tell you that Justine is going to be a good guest? See, see, I don't lie, right? Well, sometimes I do, but I'm not lying this time, am I? Justine's going to be a good guest. She, that was absolutely golden stuff. You know what? And as you were talking, you gave me an idea because, you know, I'm just that brilliant and things come to me from time to time. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know, on my Instagram, I'm going to do it for the entire week. I'm thinking Sunday to Friday because that's six days, right? There we go. So I can't count. 
And I every, and for from that the whole week, I'm gonna do one of those tips on Instagram to give everybody a reminder. So I'll tag Justine in every single one, maybe do collaboration, however we do it, in every single one of those tips. So you have it to always go back to remember you have these traits, these um you could possibly be a people pleaser, taught ways that you could possibly deal with it, learn because honestly, at the end of the day, if we don't improve, what are we really doing? So anyway, my Instagram, Zico Health, Z-E-C-O Health. Everybody knows where it is. Go ahead and check it out. Um, Justine's Instagram. What's your Instagram again? Thoughts from the couch. There we go. And we're talking about that, now this is your time to give us, tell us about your stuff. I know you have a quiz. It's called a Peace, Path to Peace online course. Tell us about that. Tell us about how we can get in touch with you, so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, this conversation has been awesome. And thank you for giving me this opportunity because I think this is important stuff. So yes, if you are listening and you're like, am I a people pleaser? I have a quiz for you. It's called what type of people pleaser are you quiz basic didn't really think of a fun title. (laughs) But in that you will get results emailed to you that tells you the type of people pleaser you are. Are you the mediator? Are you the peacemaker? Are you the golden child? Are you the quiet one? And it kind of is based on these roles I talked about from our adolescence and upbringing that influences who we are today. So go take that quiz and it'll be in the show notes. I also created an online program for perfectionists and people pleasers called The Path to Peace. And in there, I really crafted this seven-day process for people to do at home where they learn my five core pillars to anxiety and stress management. And these are the pillars that I teach my one-to-one clients in my private practice. And so, you know, I was paying close attention to the specific skills I was teaching my clients and seeing that the repetition of these skills was having Uh, clients leave therapy quicker than my other clients. And I was like, wait a minute, some of these clients haven't made progress, they're stalled, but I'm doing this curriculum with these clients, they're in and out in six months, right? So I was like, let's put this to action. Other people need to know this. And I know not everyone has time or financial abundance to be able to go to therapy for six months, but I took the meat of this process I put it into an online program for people to download. It takes seven days, 20 to 30 minutes a day for you to learn my core pillars for anxiety management, specifically for the people pleaser, perfectionist, overachiever. Um, And then if you want to work with me um, in psychotherapy or coaching, you can check out my website, which is carinocounseling.com. Perfect. And of course, I I wouldn't be doing it justice if I didn't say or contact information are going to be in the show notes. And I think people are not surprised what this is going to be, right? ZegoHealth.com slash path to peace. Nice and beautiful, nice and easy. And with that being said, Justine, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Enjoy the rest of your day, fam. Thanks for joining the Matter Over Mind experience. If you got good content out of this, on any of my shows, save, subscribe, and share it with anyone who needs this information. Remember, always take the scenic route and enjoy the ride.